Yeah. It's like, that's really cool. That's just like a little cool moment. It's like, what? Inside of a ramen cup? I like it. What is that? I don't know. But it's like, hello, hello. It's like that old game of telephone where you yeah. get like those old like cans or something. And it's beautiful. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy foxy fellows and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. Hey guys, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry. I'm Julia. And this week we're talking about 2017's Tigers Are Not Afraid. Or Vuelven en Español, which oh. means to go back or return or come back. Ah. Or we Ti- come back. The title of this episode is They're Burying Me. Uh, and this movie was written and directed by Isa Lopez, uh, who... who cast unknowns uh, on purpose. Uh, This movie was shot in chronological order. uh, And so that's kind of giving the kids a a ramp up. A through line. Yeah. Yeah, Into it. That's crazy. I love that. Uh, So the the movie begins with a title card, uh, which tells us that since the beginning of the drug war in 2006, 160,000 people have been killed and 50,000 people have disappeared in Mexico. Entire areas of some cities are turning into ghost towns and there are no numbers for the children of the dead and the missing left behind. Yep. So it's just lost children, literally. Um, that are just left lost alone boys. with no parents. Like, I just kept writing lost boys. I'm like, it's lost boys, um, these little poor kids. Uh, so we start out with a school where there are t- a teacher is telling kids uh, they're going to write fairy tales. So she says, what are some elements that you might see in a par- fairy tale? Uh, so they talk about fairies, princes, three wishes, uh, mm-hmm. castles, and tigers. So she said, okay, so you start to write those are themes that we are going to be seeing in this film. A uh, lot. A lot. Yeah. And so um, in the midst of this beautiful class of they're, you know, t- telling stories and dreaming, all of a sudden there's a shooting and the kids have to run for cover. Um, this felt all too reminiscent of, anyway, school violence just in general, but especially mm-hmm. with them setting the stage of this being a violent kind of war um, around them. That's all literally all around them and invading their classroom now. Yeah. So I, kid- I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was a school shooting at first, but it, um, it just turns out that to be this, this gang that is outside of the school. Uh, but while they're down on the floor and the gunshots are happening, the teacher crawls over to uh, Estrella, who is our, our main girl, final girl, uh, who, mm-hmm. and gives her three pieces of chalk in her hand and says, those are three wishes, just like in and the fairy tales. And Estrella means star. So mm-hmm. she's literally the wish upon the star girl. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like, I was just like, oh, okay. I'm already, this is already poetic as hell. And when this movie has just started, I'm already going to be broken. I could feel it too. <laughs> um, but yeah, she gives her those chalk. And so she's going to carry those around for her wishes. 
Uh, and she, as she is going home, she sees a dead body on the street of one of the people who's been shot. So uh, they covered up hastily with a rug. Uh, when she goes home, there is a trail of blood that comes from that gentleman that follows her home. Uh, so we'll see this throughout the film as this kind of trail of blood that is following Estrella throughout the film. Um, and when she goes home, her mother is not there. Um, yeah. And then we cut to this other little boy who's our other star of the show. Um, Shine is his name. And I was like, oh, it's Star and Shine. Mm-hmm. Okay, Star Shine. There it says hello. Um, and he... Is looks like a rough and tumble kid, um, got his wits about him, but also real sharp. Um, and he sees a drunk guy kind of walking down an alley and he steals a gun and a phone from this particular very drunk gentleman. So here's the question I have. Shine knows who this guy is, right? Like yep. He knows who he's stealing from. Okay. Yep. So this is one of the members of the Huascas, who is the gang that is terrorizing the town. Um, and this is, so he, so to, to introduce him with it, with the courage it would take to steal from someone like that. It's like, I'm going to steal your phone and your gun. Pretty good. A known gang member. He is a and courageous also- kid. He is a creature kid. He also is a really great artist. He's a graffiti artist. And so towards the beginning, as we were talking about the tiger, you saw him actually doing a really cool graffiti of a tiger out on the side of the road, too. So there's also the theme crossing through both of them of of this powerful tiger as a uh, metaphor and as something to aspire to. Yeah, I really like the the street art stuff of this and that they do a lot of animation, a lot of plot points through it. It's really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so Australia is waiting for her mom. Uh, for a day and a night and a day and like she's not coming back because the school gets closed down the classes are suspended until further notice because of the violence around them as well so the kids don't have a place to go to school where normally they would go to school to eat i just just felt way too reminiscent of this last year of a lot of kids being disenfranchised by not being able to go to school um for a lot of reasons sure and but also the kids who depend on school for food uh because she's saying she's hungry so that means there's no food at home and she has no money so she's just kind of hanging out uh and but the cool thing about this movie is the a lot of the action that takes place on rooftops uh, there's people living and a lot of people just hanging out on rooftops which is just kind of a some not something you see in america really so it's it's something that even though it's in this case, you know, a lot of homeless kids and stuff living on there, which is this kind of neat otherworldly aspect of it that seems cool. Yeah, where they're above the fray. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she goes and finds this little gang of boys with Shine and his friends. Um, and she's like, hey, I'm hungry. Can I hang out with you guys? Can you? And they're, they do. N- yeah. First, we have to say she she makes her first wish first. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, she makes her first wish on her chalk. And her first wish is I wish my mom would come back, which she does. But in like monkey paw kind of way where like probably came back at, in dead form, all kind of gross. We don't see her, but we hear her saying Estrella's name. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that's like, why Estrella's like, nope. Whisperer? Yeah. yeah. She, she nopes out. She's like, okay, not doing that. I guess I got to find some friends. This is when she goes to find the boys. And of course, they, oh, she's a girl. Gross. Go home. Uh, but they eventually say, okay, and she lets, she can sleep there and they give her a little food and we meet the little gangs. We have Pop and Tusi and Moro and Moro is a tiny little guy. He's so cute. He's and so he- cute. I want to put him in my pocket and just hug him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't speak. He, he's because of the violence that he's seen in his life. He's like mute now and it's just, he's the cutest little, little, little nugget of a and human. he has a little stuffed tiger that he likes to sleep with. So we will see this little stuffed tiger throughout this film. Um, so they say that the uh, 
ayahuascas are nar- narco-satanicos. So they are not only drug dealers, they're also Satanists. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they cut up little children and eat them and perform blood rituals. And he was like, they're like, okay, great, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they really are like scary villains. Like it's like they're Hansel and Gretel or something. And there's something out there that's going to eat them mm-hmm. and use them to sacrifice. Um and oh, they all don't have a lot of memories of their parents. And they kind of talk about that, too. Um, but she has this bracelet that she remembers. I wanted to make sure we mentioned that, too. Of the, mm-hmm. It looks like little birds. Um, that's in a picture that was in uh, one of the pictures they showed early on at the back of her house from her mother. So sometimes she gets little, those little magical, fantastical little moments that happen in this film. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she has little birds that will come to her. Uh, so they they make a deal with her that if if she kills the leader or the of the Huascas that she they can stay with her she can stay with them, um, which is an impossible task for like an eight year old girl. It's just and but she realized like that's for anybody really. Yeah. They're like just go kill a person now. You're like yeah okay I'm a murderer now like no and go kill like <laughs> the head of a, a really dangerous murderous gang. Uh, so she takes it upon herself to, okay, like she doesn't, she feels like she doesn't really have any other options. Uh, so she just walks into his house with the doors open and he's there seemingly asleep watching TV and she comes up behind him and her makes her second wish, which is, I wish I didn't have to kill him. So when she wishes that the snake that has been on embedded on the handle of the gun comes off and attacks him. Yeah, it comes to life, but we realize he's already dead. Um, she had gone in there to go get Moro back, that sweet little boy, because he had been taken by this guy. So um, they, um, she's able to free the kids, Moro, and there's a few other kids that are stuck in the back of this house. In cages. In kids in cages. I was just like, ugh, heartbreak. Um, and she gets back out, and she gives the gun back to Shine, and, and he's like, oh, my God, you did it. And she tells him, I made a wish. And he's mm-hmm. like, okay, I guess these wishes work. Like, this is crazy. But there's also this, now he's angry because he had never expected this to happen. And now everyone thinks she's amazing. She's done something impossible. And so his role as leader is now being challenged and he's getting real uppity about that. It's diminished. And also, um, I just want to highlight, because every time you're in a scary movie and they show you news footage, you got to pay a little bit of attention to what's happening on the news, right? Mm-hmm. And they have these commercials and these billboards that have been up around of this, like, Servando Esparza, this guy who's running for, like, the office like the, or the main head of whatever El council. Chino. Yeah. And he's not good. It turns out he's actually very much connected to the Huascas, the gang, um, as well. So it's like a very corrupt government uh, official. So uh, that they're also dealing with him now. I really like this moment where you know we keep hearing Estrella's mother whisper her name kind of different times throughout the film. Um, of they're up on the rooftop after this, and she hears her mother inside of an old ramen cup. Yep. I was like, that's really cool. That's just like a little cool moment. It's like what inside of a ramen cup? I like it. What is that? I don't know. But it's like hello, hello. It's like that old game of telephone where you yeah. get like those old like cans or something and it's beautiful. Like there's a lot of really um mystical and kind of magical moments like I said with like with, with from the birds flying like off the bracelet somewhere or mm-hmm. this this is great. Um yeah, and she mom gives her a message that the one who killed who really killed that guy cuz she knows she didn't kill him, the one who really killed him is looking for you. You guys need to go basically. So she heeds her mother's advice and tries to get the kid, gets all the boys on board except Shine, who they need to get on board to leave. Mm-hmm. So they end up uh, breaking into a mansion 
uh, that they find. And there's just this very magical castle-like place that has this giant pond with fish just swimming in it. Yeah, it was a koi. It was a there was a beautiful tropical koi tank that broke and it ended up the fish still survived and ended up creating like a little pond in the middle of the room. It's really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And and they just, of course, you know, they've never lived anywhere like this at all. So they kind of go on this little journey of everybody's running around being really cute and being like their kids having a little Lost Boys party. And they find like soccer balls because they want to play soccer. They're like, because they had all had wishes of what they wanted for their next place. And they're like, this pond counts as a zoo. I bet this place has a soccer field. And this place actually has like a home cinema theater where people can do live shows even. So they find, I mean, this house is wild nice but abandoned and i Um, I just want there to be more of this like show me their little happy lost boys moments because it's you know it's going to go bad right but like (laughs) i just like their happy moments well almost as soon as it gets all happy as julia just said that bloodline that we talked about that was following her all of a sudden magically follows her upstairs and splits in three meaning that uh uh-oh there's going to be more than one person probably coming after them because that's like her heed um and she knows that they're coming she hears her mom say that they're coming for you um, so we learn yeah. about the, 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 the lighter that shine has that he is fiddling with, uh, throughout this film. And we learn that it's the lighter that was used to burn down his house. Uh, the Huascas burned down his house and killed his family. Uh, and, and he asks got burn marks on his face, on his face and use it and asks Australia to use a wish to take his burn marks away. And she says, no. Uh, something bad will happen if I do that. So she knows that these wishes are are tainted wishes that things bad things come with it. Yeah, because she says every time I make a wish, something bad happens. It's just like I thought about that from the craft last week too of like the karma of like mm-hmm. even when you're trying to do something fantastical or magical, there's still going to be consequences um, for those dreams coming true. Um, it actually makes me think of one of our good friends, Joe Pinson. He always says dreams are expensive because <laughs> <laughs> there's always a cost for like magic and things to happen. Sure. Um, hands down. Yeah. So uh, Shine goes back to Estrella's house because Estrella had said she had didn't have any photos of her mother. Um, and yeah, we find out why he stole the phone, though, and why he was so brave for that guy, because he knows the only picture left of his mother alive was on this guy's phone the gang member's phone so we find out that's why he was so brave at the beginning to grab that freaking phone off that guy and it because of that and it takes him it had taken him a long time uh to find out the the code to get into the phone but once he figured out the code he was able to go through and look at all the videos um and there's a video that he finds a snuff video of someone actually being tortured and killed and we find out that that is Estrella's mom on that footage. So Shine is like, not telling her about that because that's not something we want to let her know that we have. But the other person that is the torturer on that video is El Chino, the big head political guy. So now they have, they know why the Huascas are so crazy about wanting to get this phone back because this was going to be their blackmail to use against him. And now they have it. So there's this war on both sides about why they need this particular phone that is so important but he so, wants to go get a nice picture of her mom for her for her yeah to remember her by because they do still exist because his were all burnt down and he doesn't have that luxury so i get that my dad i don't have any pictures my dad's house burnt down when he was a kid i don't have any pictures of him as a kid and i would do anything to have like a childhood picture or something an old photo of his like yeah. that. so you just never know uh, so, so he gets he gets nabbed, uh, and uh, while the Lost Boys are having their adorable talent show, uh, things are all gonna. <laughs> it's so cute. 
Uh, I know they're doing like Mexico's Got Talent or whatever, and they have like a little bulb theater, and they're like, okay, next up on Got Talent, and they're doing like a little like um one of the kids' names is Pop, and he's character he's doing a thing called rap pop, so he's like rap rap pop is gonna rap, and he's like trying to do this terrible rap, and they like boo next up, <laughs> very cute. Uh, so they uh, while they're doing that, they we have the people getting in there, and there is a kind of a standoff. Uh, in which Shine stabs uh, one of the guys in the leg. And Moro, little Moro, gets shot. It's so sad. That was the most devastating moment, I think, of the movie, is the sweet little boy gets shot um, after, like, this knockdown, dragout kind of, you know, shootout that they have. Um, and they make a little funeral for him. Fucking killing like a four-year-old. This movie's harsh. It's pretty brutal. And then, but he's also got his little tiger they have like wrapped with him um, that Estrella had fixed because it had had like a little tear and she'd have shown him how to fix it earlier. Um, They really are parenting each other, these kids. Mm -hmm. Um, So they make an arrangement uh, with El Chino to swap the phone for the Huascas. So the deal is that they will give him the phone and he will kill the rest of the gang. Uh, And... You're never going to see the thing is, is like you make a deal with that person. You're like that deal. The guy's going to fuck me over. It's but I, I have the devil. There's no other. You have to go by his word. There's nothing else you can do is he says he's going to do it. You're like, well, he said he will. What else can I do? But, you know, he's lying. What can you do? Because you're eight. Yeah, but there's they also also they also have no other option. It's like that guy's going to come kill you or he's going to or you can try, mm-hmm. you know, and this is their try. This is their Hail Mary, so to speak. And he also tells him on the, tell them on the phone that he's the real one who killed uh, the gentleman earlier. Kako. Kako. Mm-hmm. So he is the one who did it, not them. So now the boys turn on her because they know that she lied. Yeah, and they're like, liar, liar. She's like, basically, she's like, I didn't lie to anybody. Everyone no. just assumed she never said. And she like, said, she I made never- a wish, which she did. Yeah, she's like, I never said it, basically, but like they are still devastated and feel like they can't trust her, but they don't have not sure what else to do. So a couple of guys, you know, are still, you know, they're going to go do it. They're going to do do this exchange, but they're not happy about it. And they leave her um, and she goes to like this little playground and ends up because she sees dead people, as we've noticed this whole movie. Um, all of a sudden, little Moro, little ghost Moro comes and talks to her. Um, with his little tiger that now like walks like a little walking little teddy bear. It's uncanny and, and also very sweet. And um, yeah. So uh, the, there actually is a moment where the kids, two of the, um, Tusi and, and Pop are like, we just got to go to the cops now. Like we got to go to the cops. This is way over our heads. Go to the police. And and of course, Shine's like, no, of course not. The police are never going to help us. It's but like the they, police are corrupt as hell here, basically. Yeah. Yes. So they go, there's a police car around the corner, like, no, no, we're just going to show them. So they go up and they show the cops the video. And the cops like, we're getting out of here. And zoop, just off they go. Yeah. They're like, why'd you show us? We didn't want to know. Like, they don't have deniability now. <laughs> and they literally leave the kids on the side of the roads and the kids are devastated. And Shine's like, yeah, uh, I told you this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. The police are never going to believe us. Um, so, and when, when I was, we uh, started to go circle back around and we see, when you see little dead Moro, uh, he mm-hmm. says, they're burying me. I'm cold. I'm like, Oh, that's really terrifying. Uh, they're burying me is such a, a terrible sentence. 
Well, that's how she's able to find where he's at because yeah. he, the ghost of him is talking to her, but she wouldn't have known where to find them. But he leads her. And this is what's co continually happened throughout the film is that the go the ghosts are leading her to different places along this journey to try to avenge their death. And they've been asking her, they need to bring him. They're talking about Chino, bring him to us, bring him to us where we're buried. And so she's basically tasked with trying to figure out where all these potential people that have been murdered by this gang and mm -hmm. specifically by Chino, um, Servando Respaza, uh, where they, where they are. So, um, so they end up burying Moro in a, in a fridge and just push him off into the water, which is a very sad little burial for that little boy. Mm -hmm. Um, but they end up having their, their exchange spot is an abandoned spa. So they end up having to take a bus out to the spa for this exchange where, you know, it's all going to go bad. Uh, but they go and they they do the exchange and you're like, well, this is how how is this going to go bad? It's going to go bad. But how? And so at first it seems to go OK. Got to talk about the bus ride a little bit, too, before oh, okay. we get I'm there, sorry. because no, don't be sorry. Um, uh, just because this is where they talk about the tigers, where they, they realize uh, yeah. that um, Shine and Estrella have both um, have this thing about tigers and thinking of them as heroic and shine basically is like no there's actually nothing left for us right now there's literally no tigers there's nothing we're all there is now and that's when you go i was like oof final boy final girl moment they really are hungering in as they're on this bus ride to this spa and they know this exchange could go very wrong and it's just that reality that these kids who should not know how bad this is yeah like no oh sorry i'm gonna cry it's like it's a lot uh, so the, huh. I, this actually surprised me because they do the exchange. They give Chino the phone and he lives up to his fucking promise. He and turns around, goons. Yeah. He, he shoots his goons and is like, okay, you guys get out of here. I never want to see you again. And I was like, wow, well, that went as I never, you've never seen an exchange that went like that, where he just fucking lived up to it and was like, good, good for his word. And honestly, if they had been good for their word, it would have been fine. But, mm, or would it? You think they, they still have no families? They still have but no I mean, food. They still them, have no place to go. I don't mean like it could fun. be better, but it's never going to be good for them. But they're never going to have these people after them again. Is what I mean. Right? Like they have right. that security now. Especially the big bosses let them go, so he's off the rate. They're off the radar. Once those guys are gone, there's going to be more. Anyway, I just worry. No, it's never going to. It's never yeah. going to be great. But it would. Yeah. It would have been less bad <laughs> uh, right. but we find out that shine actually had swapped the phone and had given him another phone in the same case so uh he and then he realizes that this is the moment he has to show Estrella the clip of her mother on the phone which he does which is terrible um and they could recognize her because she had the same bracelet and you could see it in that picture that was in yes. the video. And that was a big way they identified her with the little birdies on it. And so um, now she uses her third wish and uh, wishes that her, his scar would disappear. Well, Shine had asked for it and yeah. she was, and she was like, okay, but unfortunately, like she said, anytime I make these wishes, things go bad too. So he asked for that scar to go. She draws an X on it with that chalk. And it's literally like X marks the spot because he's about to get shot right there in the face. Um, so the scar is gone replaced but, by a new star. But so is, so is shine. Uh, he is mm -hmm. also gone now. So we have this movie. I don't think I've ever seen a movie shoot a four-year-old in the stomach and kill him and bury him in a fridge and then shoot an eight-year-old in the face 
I was like, Jesus fuck. Wow. That's, that's a lot. Well, she, it's a lot, a lot. Estrella does make it out of there though. And so now she, um, ends up the ghost of shine gives, uh, the lighter that he's been playing with to her. So now she's got, she's empowered with things from all the ghosts that have followed her. So she's got Moro telling her which way to go, like through the air ducts of this building, um, of this crazy, like bathhouse old spa place. Um, and so she's running away from Chino. Um, she Ugh. ends up following the tiger who follows, goes, brings her down into a room full of all the dead bodies, the dot, the, the body room of, of mostly de- decomposed bodies in plastic bags, which is awful. It's uh, pretty but- disgusting. Are you sure that I'm sure that room smells so bad. I just imagine. But the thing is, she still has the phone with her. So Chino keeps calling the phone, which is how he keeps figuring out where she is. She turned it off, but then um, she ends up leaving it in this room with all the bodies because that's what her mom had told her earlier had been bringing her the ghost of her mother had said, bring him to us mm-hmm. where the bodies are at. So they're going to bring him in there. So yeah. she's able to get escape the room. It's interesting because like that was driving me crazy in this movie because they have this phone, which is the MacGuffin, right? And the, it keeps ringing. And I'm like, turn the fucking ringer off. What are you doing? They're finding yeah. you by the ringer, you fucking idiots. But then she actually uses that to the advantage later where the ringer is on. And I'm like, okay, all right. You're smarter than I thought you were. This is good. And they're really, <laughs> you know, they're all, because they are these like street ragamuffin kids, they're real smart. They're real clever. Like they get how to fool people very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she does talk to her dead mother while she's down in this room full of dead bodies. Uh, and her mom is very sweet, even though she looks horrific. Uh, and the bird bracelet that we have throughout this movie flies off of her wrist and onto Estrella's. Is it a good thing? I don't know what that represents it in completely. It's a little scary because dead body, but okay. Hopefully it's a good thing. That means she is flying away to freedom is what we hope. We hope. Uh, so she is, so Chino is lured into this dead body uh, room and is given the revenge that they all want upon him. Yep. And so um, as she's left, um, the ghost of shine is out the door and basically she's like, here's your lighter back. Do what you got to do kind of thing. She throws it back to the, the ghost of shine and uh, they have already, you know, set that room up to be, a burnt up. Mm-hmm. And so they burn up Chino um, and she and, walks out. Yeah, but she follows a little tiger and then we open the doors and, you know, because this movie has been quite claustrophobic in that there's they're living in a city where every inch of space is taken up by something uh concrete concrete it's all concrete it's all very kind of gray and bland and lots of alleys and stuff and so we have this beautiful shot of her opening the doors and walking out to this gorgeous open space of meadow and green and it's it looks completely different than any other shot in the film it just it looks very gorgeous and it's this kind of nice metaphorical ending of her walking out into her open happy open spaces Wide uh, open spaces. Yep. Uh, so that is Tigers Are Not Afraid. So it, I thought it was an incredibly well-made film. And I thought that I it was, I like that you have this scrappy lost boy heroes who are going to fight. And I really like that. But it was also so harsh. It was just, it, was it, it it's, you know, and I know that you said that this, this woman has, like her work has been praised by Guillermo del Toro. And I see that kind of, connection of you have this 
grim Brutalized reality. Kids with his too. Yeah, he does, <laughs> and it's like, is just the saddest. I probably it is, and that's what it is. And, and that's what it like, is. Oh, like, yeah, it's where, so sad for these kids. Where the reality is super, super grim, but then you add these fantastical elements that give you a sense of hope that are this just juxtaposition. So it was nice. So uh, gore factor for this film: one mm-hmm. is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. And we give this film a four and a half for gore. It's yeah. got it's got some I mean, you got shooting a kid in the face is is pretty bad. I and would you, say so. And the snuff the snuff film. Yes, room of dead bodies and lots of uh blood. Yes, pretty gory. Yeah. Yeah, for some kids. Um, and yeah, let's get into movie ratings then too. It is very gory. Um, overall, um, one, Chainsaw of Your Desperate. Two, Barely Qualifies as a Horror Film. Three, Seen Worse, Seen Better. Four, Not Too Shabby. Five, Fantastical. I give this one a five. I really liked it, um, even though I know it was brutal. Um, it was my kind of brutal, I guess. I don't know. I really just liked um, the story. I was really drawn in. I couldn't look away. The acting was so well done. The kids did an amazing job. Um, and I really was moved by it and saddened and so many emotions uh, through this film. Uh, I gave this film a three and a half. Uh, I, it was not my kind of brutal. <laughs> it was really painful. <laughs> and yeah. it was something that it was, you know, that have the, you know, you have horror movies that are kind of fun to watch and horror movies that are not fun to watch. And, he, and I don't mean that a film's bad if it's not fun to watch. Obviously, a lot of films that are wonderful are very hard watches. And I know that this is intentionally a hard watch. It wants you to think about these children who were left behind and what, you know, what happens to them. And I think that that's an important statement. I'm glad that there is a movie that's bringing light to that and also using it in a fictional way to make it a interesting story, uh, but not exactly my cup of tea. Yeah, I just I really like that it felt very current and just it made me think about everything. I think also watching this towards like after just America the last little while too. Mm-hmm. Of just knowing um there's so many kids that need so much and who are truly the monsters and who are the warriors and who are the brave and who are the strong. Mm-hmm. I like the themes a lot and um it just really resonated with me. So I loved it. I loved it. Um, awesome. We have more. We get to talk about more movies again soon. And, and there's I, anyway, just love it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next week, we're going to be talking about a film uh, that neither of us have seen called The Ranger. Yeah. Now, again, I don't know anything about this film. I assume forests will be involved. It looks like Pacific Northwest. And I really liked Green Room that we covered around the same time mm-hmm. last year. And it made me look, it looks kind of like that kind of vibe. So I was like, ooh, this looks like it could be cool. Oh, so uh, is it punk rock? It looks punk rock. Yeah, it's, it's got punk rock element for sure. So I'm excited. Let's do some punk rock. Um, yeah, we'll watch The Ranger. Okay, and, great. And in the mean, yeah, in the Wait. meantime, follow us on the Internet. Yeah, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Julia's dancing for me right now. and I love it. Um, and uh, we are also have a Patreon. You can support us there. We really appreciate that. Um, we've been able to do some more fun interviews and things lined up because of all of that goodness. So thank you so much. We also have a merch store. What? You can get your own horror movie. We've got merch. I've got my hoodie on again today. And you know, it's comfy. It's more comfy than I thought it was going to be. I'm very excited. The merch is actually cozy. So good job on us. Thanks, Teespring. Check out our store, Horror Movie Survival Guide. Cozy merch. Cozy merch. Yeah. Get get cozy with us. Ooh, we can't ah. wait to see you next week. We hope you will uh, talk to us about Tigers and Not Afraid this week. And next week, we will talk to you about the Ranger. See you then, Disco Citizens. Yeah, peace out. <laughs>